Hey, this is Rich. And this is Don Cherie. And together we pastor Vue Church here in Miami. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So today, Don Cherie, we want to lean in. The reason why we're teaching together is we want to talk today from the subject, five keys to relationship endurance. Oh, come on, somebody in the studio. Make a little bit of noise. Right there. Five keys to relationship endurance. And here's the truth, Don Cherie. Come on, we all know at this point, it's very easy to start a relationship, but it's very difficult at times to endure in a relationship. That is the truth. And as we gather around this word endure, and we've been studying the book of 1 Peter, I think it's more than appropriate that we apply the scripture to our relationships. But you might be wondering, like, why is Peter in the middle of this letter um, speaking directly to husbands and to wives? And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, Rome and uh, the Roman Empire was growing and expanding. It was very diverse. And within that diversity and within that expansion, um, there were so many new ideas and so many beliefs that were emerging and truth became relative. And so Peter is speaking to followers of Jesus, reminding them of the truth that we know through personal relationship with God. He's reminding them, hey, truth is not relative. It's not based on the newest idea. We know the one who created the earth, who created men, who created women. And so Peter is reminding the early church, hey, let's keep our eyes focused on the truth that we know. But secondly, I believe that Peter is speaking to us about our marriages and about our relationships because a healthy church is built on healthy families. That's right. So a healthy church is not just Sundays, but seven days a week, families walking out their faith. And hear me today, our church can never be healthy if your family stays sick. I wanna say that again, our church can never be healthy if your family stays sick. I'm not saying that the situation you're in right now, you brought upon yourself. I'm not saying that the heartbreak and the brokenness in your marriage or with your children right now that you cause. What I am telling you is that because of the price of Calvary and a resurrected king, it doesn't matter how broken your marriage, your family, your legacy, your history, the truth is, is that you can look ahead with faith because of Jesus. And I just wanna encourage you right now that this conversation today, as we look to the letter of 1 Peter, as we look to the words of the Apostle Peter, that we wanna speak faith and healing and life over your marriage, over your identity, and over the legacy that you're gonna lead. This is not a conversation just for people that are married today. This is a conversation for whatever season of life you are in. The enemy wants your relationships to stay broken. Hear me today. He wants you to show up on a Sunday, lift your hands and sing about having the victory, but never really experience it for yourself. He wants you to pray for other people and believe that they're gonna be healed, but come to the conclusion in your own life that your marriage could never be healed that your relationship with your children can never be restored. He wants you to sing that the best is yet to come and write it in your journal and speak it over other people, but then go home on a Sunday night and believe that the way things
things are in your home are the way it's always going to be. But let me speak some faith to you right where you are today. That's not the truth. God is able to heal. He's able to restore. He's able to be set free in every area of your life. And he cares about your relationships. He cares about the state of your relationships. He cares about the conversation that you had this morning that didn't go the way that you planned. And when we look to the scriptures, we have to understand that the scriptures, they speak to every facet of our life, especially, especially our relationships. And I think the big tag of what we've been saying, Don Sheree, throughout the last four weeks, as you study 1 Peter, the premise of what's taking place is that there's pressure on the church there is this cultural moment taking place where there's so much division in society, so many different people groups, so many different truths hitting the church. The church is actually starting to go, wait, the problems out there are starting to become the problems in here. Yes. here. And Peter is really suggesting, hey, endure. Don't give up. Don't quit. And what we've been saying over and over in this collection is this, life's not always about conquering. Some seasons are simply about enduring. That's right. And Peter's going to lean in now to how to build a happy home. We've been learning about the beliefs that there's this living hope in Jesus, this eternal reward. So now that we believe, how do we behave? What is our response with one another? What's our responsibilities with one another? And what I really believe, Don Shuri, is the truth is, is that you really can't win in life if you fail in relationships. Yeah. So often, man, the quality of your life is attached to the quality of your relationships. That's right. And so Peter, for sure, is going to teach about a happy home using the premise of a marriage. But today, I understand that our audience, the people that are watching, you've got single people, you've got people that are dating, you've got people that are divorced, you've got people that are struggling in their marriage, you've got people that are happy in their marriage, you've got people that are like, I want nothing to do with a relationship. But, but I know this today, that, that the keys that we're going to share, yes, we're going to speak through the filter of marriage, but see where they apply to your other relationships. There's some dads out there. You're gonna raise some healthy daughters. You need to teach them how to become a healthy woman. There's, there's some moms, there's some single moms in our community today that are trying to raise some boys, trying to raise some girls. And you're going, I don't know what to do. God's word has some answers of how you can find endurance in your relational life. So I wanna give you five keys. These come from the text today. We're gonna to try to break this down. We're gonna study, we're gonna jump in. Don Shree's gonna holler and preach. I like it. Hopefully her earrings come off. Hopefully she throws a high heel at you. I'm not going to get up from this stool one time. No, I'm lying. I'm getting up a couple times. All right. Key number one, number one, your marriage needs a mission. Your marriage needs a mission. Let, let, let's go to our one verse, or I guess our two verses in chapter two. This is really closing out where we were at last week, but watch what uh, Peter says. This is chapter two, verse 11. Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, remember that whole elect exiles conversation in week one? As aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Okay, you, you got to get what's taking place here because this is super practical. So, so week one was kind of like big and ethereal and like doctrine and theology and this living hope. But now here he is getting very, very practical with us. And I don't know if you notice this, but what he is simply saying is he's saying that you are supposed to behave in a certain way as a believer that a broken, lost world, when they look at your life, when they watch your life, they can tell there's something different about you. 
In fact, he even goes on to say that, yo, people are gonna accuse you as a believer of doing wrong. They're gonna accuse you of having wrong motivations. They're gonna try to persecute. They're gonna try to hate on you, but you keep doing things God's way. And as you do it, what's gonna take place is eventually through your life and through your actions, they will glorify God. This is a powerful premise that you must understand that there's always somebody watching you. A couple of years ago, Don Shree and I, we were uh, traveling and I was in an airport and social media is so funny now because with social media, uh, we're all connected some way, somehow. It's like, I go around the studio and you know, JD and Laura are from Kentucky, but I'm just guessing there's somebody in Kentucky that I know, but I've never met, but follows him and they follow me. And it's a weird thing that's taking place on the interweb. The social dilemma is real people, okay? <laughs> But I remember I was in this airport, we're hanging out, you know, and I don't know, I probably got my AirPods in. I'm probably like, I'm not paying attention. I, I, in airports too, I, I'm str- I got a hoodie up. I'm all like tired, you know, and I'm on a wall and I'm just, you know, I probably got, like, I usually fly really early. So if I got sleep in my eye, I don't always brush my teeth right when I wake up. The Lord's still working on me. <laughs> Long story short, I'm sitting there in this layover and I'm hanging out, not paying attention. And when I got on the flight, when I land from my flight, I, I check my social media and on Instagram, somebody had posted a photo of me in the airport and they said it was so good seeing Pastor Rich today. <laughs> Which number one, that is really creepy, okay? Yeah, I agree. There should be a rule, don't take pictures of people if they don't know they're being photographed. Yes. But I remember talking to Don Shree going, oh my goodness, somebody is always watching you yeah. whether you know it or not. I would say, if you ever see me in public, just come and say hi. I'm actually nice and I'll actually behave a whole lot better if you let me know you're watching. But the truth of the matter is, is that even though people act like they aren't listening, they are always watching. That's great. And this needs to give us hope as believers. The hope as believers comes into this play of going, man, I don't know how to reach my neighbor. I don't always know how to reach my colleague. I don't always know how to reach my coworker. Yeah, you do. You have a beautiful opportunity. This living hope that's hit your life, it has now put you on mission every single day that although they might not ever come into the church, they can watch you be the church. Although they might not ever gather large with us, they can open up their eyes and see how you behave. And here's the good news. When you begin to behave differently from the world, it leaves people curious. I want to remind you today that you might be the only Bible people will ever read. You might be the only, people might not ever read 1 Peter, but they're going to watch the people of God. And God is looking for a people called the church to win all people called the world. And when you make a simple decision, yo, the world's behaving angry right now. Come on, but not you. You're being a peacemaker right now. The world is really, really annoyed right now, but come on, man. You're walking with the peace of God right now. The world is depressed, but you have the joy of the Lord. The world is talking all about the problems, but man, when you walk into a situation, you're pointing everybody to the solution. His name is Jesus. Now, Don Street, there's no doubt that Peter is speaking in this passage to individuals, and we have to, as believers, take on the mission as an individual to say, yo, Every part of my life should be lived on mission, that my life should be a ministry. But if that is a truth for an individual who's a Christian, could it be true for couples? See, the first key to enduring in a relationship is that your relationship, your marriage, 
It needs to be more than just about him and her and just each other. It needs to have a purpose. It needs to have a mission. What if you saw your marriage as a ministry to the world? I think it could change the world. I think literally your marriage could change the world with a mission mindset. And I think that that mission mindset doesn't start when you say your vows. I think it starts when you discover the love of Jesus. I think that that mission, you take your first step as you become a new creation and you decide to entrust your life to the perfect love of Jesus. You know, we read the scriptures and we understand that God created us in his image. Maybe you haven't thought very deeply about that before, but I just wanna tell you today that you've been created in the image of God. What a profound thought. You've been created in the image of God. Scriptures tell us that, that the Spirit of God, they said, let us make man in our, the Trinity, in our image. Great. And now that you and I know Jesus and we've experienced his love, I think our mission always points back to understanding how we were made. I wanna remind you today, in case you haven't realized that you were made for a mission. Like the gifts inside of you, the way that you think, uh, you, your characteristics that are uniquely you. You've been handcrafted by Almighty God, not just for beauty, not just for art, because you are the greatest piece of art, but you have actually been crafted with your capabilities and your characteristics for a specific mission. You were made for a mission, and you were made in God's image, male and female. And when we understand that we were made in the image of God, we understand that we were made to reflect His image here on earth. And that literally, friends, is our mission, period. It's our mission as we walk in our single season. It's our mission if we choose to be married and walk alongside someone else. It's our mission if we start a business. It's our mission if we have a child. It's our mission if we take care of our parents in their older age. It's always to reflect the characteristics of Jesus. And really we reflect those characteristics in a few different ways. We reflect God's image being male and female by walking in relational harmony, by choosing to work together, by playing the long game and understanding that we're gonna walk through a lot of seasons together. We've gotta learn how to walk together. But we also walk reflecting the image of God by understanding that we were created equally that male and female equally have a call to this mission. We see this in the new covenant, that when Peter, the one who wrote First Peter, when he comes out and prophesies under the power of the Holy Spirit, he quotes the scriptures and says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit and your, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy, showing us that under the new covenant, both male and female, both have an equal calling to carry the mission of God forward. That we are both Beautiful. empowered by the same Holy Spirit, empowered by the same mission and mandate to preach the gospel to all nations, to baptize them in the name of Jesus. So Come on, is that good news today? You and I, we have a mission. And that mission doesn't change as we get married. 
We carry that mission and we set our sights on eternity together, knowing that we are called to live for an audience of one. We must be equally minded in our mission when we choose to be married. You know, no matter what your story is, I wanna encourage you, you are called. I love the scripture that says, now through Jesus there is now neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor master nor male nor female. What is the scripture saying? It's comparing the common misconception of what was inferior and what was superior. And it was proving the point that when it comes to the message of Jesus, every single one of us are called to build the kingdom of God. Whatever your age, whatever your season, whether you're a male, whether you're a female, you are called equally and valued by Almighty God. What does it look like to have a mission? We have to understand that our marriage, there's a cost with that mission. Rich and I, we don't watch very many movies together. It's hard for us to find like a common ground when it comes to movies. Don't say anything, Rich. I know you have a lot of input well, on that. I just feel like your taste could be a little better. I mean, I feel have, the same well, way. Well, I just feel like you could broaden it. I feel like you have a category. No, I, I have, have a category. Rom-com rom all the way, yeah, baby. Exactly. <laughs> but we found this show lately that we've been watching. It's called Away. And it's about this mission to Mars. And as I watch it, honestly, I cry like every episode. We lay in bed at night and we watch it. And it's just so moving. Like the wife is on this mission to Mars. She's spending three years away from her daughter, away from her husband. Her husband's on earth with their family. And I'm like crying, I'm watching it. I'm like, Rich, like, I just don't understand. Like, how could she do, how can they make it? How can their marriage survive? They're away for years from each other. They're not even, like time zone doesn't even apply. Like it's, it's beyond my imagination. And Rich just like, so matter of factly is like, Babe, they have the same mission. And I was like, wow, there's something to that. I think our marriage can get through anything when we both have the same mission. And I see our church, I see VU Church built on unity. I, be, I see our church built on men and women who are committed to building the church. I see them show up on Sundays, selflessly serving, bringing their kids along on the journey. I see people who choose to give above and beyond the tithe, 10% or more. You know what that's called? That's called being mission-minded. That's called living for a mission that is larger than yourself, choosing to serve, choosing to give, choosing to love, choosing to reach out, choosing to sacrifice time, talent, energy. That's what it looks like practically to have a marriage that is mission-minded. You know, pain has a purpose when you choose to put some purpose on that mission. Every obstacle that you face, it's not bigger than the mission that is at hand. I don't know what you're facing today, Maybe you're going through the toughest season of your life. I just wanna encourage you today that God still has a call on your life, that he still has a purpose in front of you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We have to be, we have to choose to consciously be mission-minded. And I think that when you start to recognize that God's given us this big mission, it's far greater than going to Mars, we have an opportunity to bring the broken home. That, that's a call as me as an individual, but as I have 
a partner in this. I've got to see beyond myself. And so God hasn't put Don Shree and I together just to be happy. It's far bigger than that. I think the thing that helps us get to the tough times is we remind ourselves, wait a minute, we want to show a lost and dying world that it's possible to have a healthy marriage. Yes. That it's possible to walk in joy. That it's possible to get through the tough times. That you don't have to just crack. You don't just have to break. You can withstand and you can endure because we have a mission. God hasn't put us just together just to be happy. He's put us together to be holy. So evaluation question number one for the first key is this. Is my relationship about making me happy or holy? Second question is, are we actively stewarding our marriage to be mission-minded in this season? We're gonna ask these questions this week in our crew chats and our crew live, but this is a good question to sit down with your partner, your spouse, the person you're dating, the person you wanna marry. Wait, is this person just make me happy? Or does this person make me holy? Yeah. Does this person remind me of what I'm called to live, live on purpose every day? We're gonna go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses one through five. Here we go. I'm gonna read five verses. We're gonna see all three keys. We're gonna break them down. Get ready. This is where it gets weird for some people. The Bible's doing the preaching today. Wives, in the same way, Don Shree, take notes, be submissive <laughs> to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over. Someone say won over. Without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Don't turn off the link yet. Stay streaming. I'm gonna break some of this stuff down for you. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. Come on, somebody. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's for Cat Rouse right there. Which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way of the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. All right, key number one is your marriage has to have a mission. Key number two is know your roles. Quickly what we see Peter beginning to do, this happens in many other places in scripture, but he's quickly gonna show us that there are two different roles in a marriage. And what Peter describes to us is that a marriage is made up of two parties. It's made up of a husband and a wife. A husband and a wife, these two different roles. Now listen, I wanna make sure that we're very, very clear, especially the stance of Vu Church uh, in such, I think, difficult, challenging times. God has created men and women equal. Yeah. Like, like we can go all the way back to the beginning that God is for all people. Jesus is for all people. Listen, Jesus has been empowering women long before the women's rights movement, okay? You just do a little book study. You do a little study on Jesus' ministry. Women were all over the place in leadership, ministering, doing incredible things. Jesus empowers people. Yet what we must learn in a marriage is, is that we have different roles. God has created us differently, yet equally. I think that we need to understand our differences, celebrate our differences, make much out of each other's strengths, and stop exploiting our weaknesses. And what Peter begins to talk about here is he leans into really the ladies for a moment. He talks about wives submitting to your husbands. And he's gonna break down this idea of submitting. And Paul does this many, many different times. This word submission is like a dirty word, I feel like, in 2020. Um, and maybe in many cases, rightfully so. We've all kind of watched um, the atrocities of power um, going unregulated, unaccountable power. No doubt about it, that there is, that's dangerous. I always talk about in a marriage and in relationships, ladies, it doesn't say that you're supposed to submit to all men. It says you're supposed to submit to a man. He's called your husband. And you don't submit to a man 
who does not walk with responsibility. If he's not responsible, then guess what? You're not accountable, okay? And so I want us to talk about this word a little bit because I think this word is all throughout the scripture. If you get turned off by the word submitting, well, then you're not gonna do very good following Jesus because Jesus was a man who lived submitted to the Father. And most of his call to all of us is a life of submission. So many of us, we live a life of ambition. Let me tell you something. Ambition will never, ever, ever take you to the places that submission can. I'm, I'm just, I, I wanna say it this way. Submission will take you places that ambition can only dream of. That when you lay down your life and when you sacrifice and when you actually say, I'm gonna prefer the other person, it's amazing what takes place. But Dondre, why don't you take this for a few moments? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around this word and people get really confused. But if we're gonna have a healthy biblical marriage, we've gotta know that we've got strengths and we've gotta to play to our strengths. Well, I think that it's really powerful for us to take the time on a Sunday. We never apologize for taking time on Sunday to look to God's word as it applies to our relationships because we understand that it's through relationships that the world actually sees the love of Jesus. That's how the world gets to see his love. And when we look to the family, we understand that God engineered the family, that he created roles within the family. And if you look deep enough into the way that God's created it, in no way is it meant to limit anyone. It's meant to champion every single part of the family. It's meant to help you achieve everything that God has called you to be. And uh, when you look at the family, it's really cool because you see the roles between husband and wife. But when we look to the Trinity, we see different roles within the Trinity. That here they are, they are one, but they have very distinctive roles. Mm. And if you look at the Father, Father God, He has a very distinctive role. He has a specific responsibility. Uh, and I think that as you look at the father in the home, that he too has a very specific responsibility. He has a specific leadership role. And this didn't just happen. Like when you look at the word submit and everybody thinks that it's part of the sin story, friends, you have missed it if you think that that has anything to do with it. When we come to a marriage, we're called to serve one another. There's a mutual submission because we are able to go the distance when we choose to prefer one another. Selfishness puts up a wall in our hearts and only leads to brokenness and discontent, right? But uh, when you look at the creation story, before the fall, there were roles. There were very clearly defined roles. God creates Adam first, and then God chooses to create Eve as a helper. Sometimes we can choose to like resent that word helper, but you need to look closer into it because there's a lot of strength there. In fact, that word helper is used to describe Almighty God helping the Israelites within the word of God. And so it's not a stance of being weak. It's not a stance of being less than, but it does imply by being the helper that there's a very specific responsibility to lead placed upon the man. That there is a responsibility that he is responsible to God for. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we look at marriage and we look at the roles and we understand our strengths. Every marriage is different. And I love like, shout out to VooCare. How many of you guys love Tuesday nights? VooCare, it's incredible. If you didn't know, there's so many different offerings for you to find health 
in your relationships and in your personal walk. But one of the things that we offer at VuCare every single season is premarital counseling. And I love it. I absolutely love the curriculum that we walk through. But you see these couples come in and they're so fired up. They're like, oh my goodness, I have my notebook. I'm so ready. I'm so in love with you. I can't wait to start this life with you. We're just going to talk about romantic things. And you know, the only thing on your mind is like playing house, having sex, great date nights. You don't realize that most of your marriage is going to be based upon you playing to each other's strengths day in, day out as you manage your responsibility. And I think that it's so empowering when we look to the word that God is not just trying to create cookie cutter Christians, but that God has created every single one of us uniquely, that even your thumbprint is unique, different from anybody else in all of history. So your marriage is gonna look different from the person on your left and your right because God created you to play to your strengths. The Bible doesn't say that the man or the woman should manage the finances. It doesn't say that the man or the woman should take care of this meal or take care of this celebration or do this or that. No, friend, that's based upon you deciding what your strengths are, understanding let's play to each other's strengths. Let's serve one another. When I was growing up, I played a lot of sports. I played tennis, I played softball, I played a little bit of flag football, couldn't help it because my dad was a football coach, but I'm a lefty. I'm the only lefty in my whole family. I have five brothers and a sister. My parents are right-handed. Everybody but me is right-handed. But as I learned, as I, t- as I played different sports, great coaches play to your strength. And so great coaches would take note that I was left-handed and they would put me in the right position that would play to my strengths. And what I wanna encourage you in today, as we say that a key to a healthy marriage is to know your role, I would say start to have conversations with the one that you love. Maybe 2020 has been rough on your relationship. It may be time to pivot with responsibilities. It may be time to get a new vision. It, It may be time to go back to the drawing board and say, how can we serve each other like never before? And how can we choose to live responsibly with our roles, but in our strengths? And I think in our marriage, I think it's fun to talk about it because as we're leading, I wanna be as transparent as we can. Don, Cherie and I, just so we're clear, we try to apply the Bible to every area of our life. And when we see words like this, some people just get, they so reject certain things where we're trying to lean into it. But I wanna be really clear, Dontre and I have complete transparency. It's transparency yes. that builds trust that you can give people responsibility in their roles. Yeah. Like for instance, like um, there's not like, I don't have secret bank accounts that Dontre doesn't have access to. In fact, when we, when we use this idea of like submission, I wanna be really, really, like for us in our home, it's more like I'm leading the way or I'm setting the direction of the course of our home, but there's a lot of things that I'm not in charge of in our house. Like our money, for instance. My wife is much stronger at that than I am. And so she directs the path of the money. And so people often ask, well, like, um, so I see the Bible says wives submit. Do husbands ever submit? The answer is absolutely yes. It's great. Absolutely, yes. In fact, as you read Paul's writings, because when you look at scriptures, you don't just look at one scripture, you interpret the Bible with the Bible. Another scripture would say that husbands are to love their wife like Christ loved the church. So submission is to a point of service and preferring, but the way that Christ loved the church was far beyond submission. It was total sacrifice that he gave his life. So you tell me, who has the higher calling? Who has the greater sacrifice, the wife or the husband? 
The point being, define, get into conversation, figure out the rhythm of your home. Make sure that there's clear roles of who's doing what. Have some structure. It's structure that enables you when the shaking takes place to endure and to stand strong. I would say to all the girls out there, all you single girls out there, oh, I'm not submitting to him. Listen, if you wouldn't submit to him, then he's not worth marrying. And all you guys out there, she's like, oh man, she won't, she's not gonna ever follow. Well, guess what? I'm telling you right now, like, no one's gonna follow if you're a lousy leader. Why don't you look at yourself and say, man, am I a leader worth following? Put it back on you. I'm not asking all girls to follow all men. No, that's not at all my stance. My stance is in a home, if you wanna endure, you're gonna have to describe some roles. You have to figure out who's strong at what and prefer each other. And the husband, I believe, is the priest of the home that he should be leading in the spiritual direction. That's why when you're picking a husband, yo, if he can't do that while you're dating, don't think he's gonna get good at that when you're married. Marriage is gonna magnify your problems. It's not gonna solve your problems. So the evaluation question that we gotta ask today on this Know Your Roles is, do I know and celebrate the strengths of the people I am in relationship with? In your friendships, you should be doing this. Figure out who's good. This is what we do on our staff and our team. Who's good at that? Who's good at that? We're submitting to one another in areas of strength. All right, number three, here we go. Number three, key number three. Here we go, ready for it? Key number three, what you do speaks louder than what you say. This is what Peter writes. Come on, this is what he says. He says, wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over, watch this, without words. Someone say without words. Without words. By the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. I think this is such a powerful scripture. And I think we can apply it no matter what season of life you're in, no matter what the current status of your relationship. Because the truth of the matter is, is that your actions truly do speak louder than words. And I think that the common misconception in marriage is that you get to just tell the other person what they need to change and that they'll just change. Friends, that is not the way it works. And probably the first year of marriage, that might be one of the biggest frustrations in a marriage is that you're trying to change each other. Yeah. Hey, you need to change this. Hey, yeah. you need to change that. You and did the, a lot of that. The hand. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I probably do. No, you didn't. You did. I you're probably good. do. No, you're fine. You're perfect. Yeah, well, the truth is, is that the first year, like you're, you're adjusting and yes. you're trying to change a lot about the other person. And as you point the finger at the other person, there's nothing about your spouse that you can change. So when Peter's speaking to wives who, who came to know Christ, but their husband hasn't come to know Jesus yet, he's saying, hey, I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you the, the quickest way for them to fall in love with the Jesus that's captured your heart. Mm. It's not gonna be by speaking condemnation because that's not the way that Jesus revealed himself to you. It's not gonna be by beating them over the head with the word of God. It's gonna simply by allowing them to see the love of Jesus come to fruition in your own life. Your actions, you just enjoying the presence of God, you staying committed on Sunday whether he comes or not, you choosing to speak life over him, you choosing to love others even when they have nothing to give to you, that kind of selfless love, that kind of internal change, that kind of upside down countercultural thinking, well, that is irresistible. 
that's irresistible. And so Peter is speaking to the wives saying, hey, listen, I just wanna give you a shortcut to seeing true transformation. Stop telling them what needs to change and start just letting the love of Jesus speak for itself. The message is strong enough. The news is good enough. His power is able to bring transformation. And I've seen this in our lives. I have friends who their parents walked for decades while the husband didn't believe in Jesus or the wife didn't believe in Jesus. It goes both ways. And that spouse just chose to continue to love, continue to raise their kids together, continue to speak life, continue to go on date nights, continue to embrace them, continue to build life together. And the Jesus in them Mm. became a reality to their spouse. And I just wanna encourage you today. You may have written off your spouse. You may have written off your husband or your wife thinking that it's already been 10 years. It's been 15 years. It's been 20 years and I haven't seen anything yet. You don't know the day, but God is not done with their story. God is drawing them. He is capturing their heart. And let me tell you how he's doing it. He's using you. He's using you up close and personal, day in, day out. Keep being faithful. Keep drawing your strength from the scriptures. Keep looking to Jesus, your hope. Keep being filled with a daily grace. You have the strength Mm. to go the distance. And you're not the one who can save. You're not the one who can set free, but you know the one who can. And come on, can we together speak life and faith over those who are believing, for those that they love? God is working in your home, in your marriage today. I think it's so true, don't you? I think the truth here that we take away from this, we have to be reminded, is that our behavior shows our beliefs. Yes. Our behavior shows our beliefs. Dontree taught on this the other day that we have to make sure we know what we believe. Don't focus on behavior, focus on belief. But then when it comes to reaching lost people, when it comes to reaching someone in your home, when it comes to impacting people, it's gonna be your behavior. Yeah. And your behavior is gonna show people what it is that you actually believe. I just want to let everyone know real quick. Dontree and I are both preachers. Guess what doesn't work in our home? Preaching at each other. Yeah, it goes really bad I have been really working quick. for 14 years to get Dontree to address me at home, Pastor Rich. <laughs> She doesn't Good do it. Luck. I do call her Reverend Don Cherie occasionally. But what we've learned is that preaching actually is very ineffective, but setting an example yes. begins to work. What you have to remember is that what you project, others will reflect. Mm. What you project, others will reflect. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is an action. And Peter is writing to this church because people were being converted. Remember, Christianity was a minority. They weren't this big, powerful, hey, we're strong and we're gonna keep our rights. They didn't have any rights. And here they were being saved by the love of Jesus. And now this big Roman empire was putting their beliefs and their truths. And so women were getting saved, but their husbands were, no, were not believers or vice versa. Husbands were getting saved, but their, but their wives were not believers. And The action was, don't just preach in your home, don't give ultimatums in your home, but instead be an example. They will see this Jesus on the inside of you. Here's the question for all of us today. Come on, Cruz, you're doing some work this week. Do I have the self-control to let my example do the talking at times? Oh, to all the, all, the, all the husbands in the room, all the wives in the chats, all, come on, YouTube, just, 
Just point somebody out. Just, just name your spouse. I don't know. Just go for it. All right, key number four, key number four, key number four, don't name your spouse, that'll be bad. Key number four, all right, pay attention to the inside. In fact, come on, studio audience, everyone help me. On the count of three, we're gonna say this, ready? One, two, three. Pay attention to the inside. First Peter chapter three, verse three. Your beauty, speaking to women once again, but we're gonna use this truth for all of us, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way of the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. Okay, I wanna make sure we talk about this for a moment because this is an interesting scripture that if you're not careful, you will totally take it out of context recognize that Peter is writing to a culture of people. Peter is writing and he's making a relevant truth to those people of the day. The reason why I'm saying that is because there's entire movements, entire churches that create rules for women like don't braid your hair or like fake gold bracelets from Forever 20, what's that rest, place called? Restaurant Forever, Forever, you know about that. Forever 21, that, that somehow that makes you not a believer. That's not the point. You're, you're missing it. Peter is giving a much, much deeper truth. Peter's not against you being into fashion. Peter's not against you into wearing weird pajama pants. That's not the thing. What Peter is against is that you would pay more attention to the exterior than you would the interior. He's pleading with women of God to say, do not buy into the lie of what the culture would sell you of what beauty is, of what you need to project, of what you need to pay attention to. It's not bad to look good. It's not bad to take care of yourself. It's not bad to dress nice. It's just bad when you care more about that than you do your soul. There's a whole lot of people in 2020, yo, that spend more time fixing the shell than they do fixing their soul. Spend a whole lot more time painting the shell, hello, than they do with strengthening their soul, the interior. I wrote it down this week. Exterior beauty without inner depth is just cheap decorations. It's just cheap decorations, man. There's a whole lot of people today that like the way society lies to us is it wants to get men and women to only be fixated right here on the outside. I want you to know this body, I'm trying to maintain it. I want it to be healthy, but it is dying. And it's getting older and gravity is winning. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Wrinkles are appearing. Hair is leaving. Fat will not shrink as fast as it used to. And it's good to be healthy. And it's good to maintain this body that God has given us. But man, I sure hope that I'm not paying more attention to this body than I am to this soul, this eternal soul that will live on. So it's, it's, it's about paying attention to the inside. It's about discovering that beauty comes from the inside out. And some of us out there, we're buying into the lie of culture. And we think that our relationship is failing because the exterior is fading. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. You, you can go get some expensive shoes, but yo, you still got cheap character. Just because you got a new outfit doesn't mean you got a new mindset. We just keep buying into this stuff. We just, I got, a, I got a strong body, I know, but you got a weak spirit. And you got to pay attention to something deeper. You got to go 
deeper than what meets the eye. It's like, I just watch it, like, you know, couples, it's amazing. Even Christian couples today, God bless them. And this happens at Dawn Street night sometimes, but it's like a date night, beautiful. Date nights are awesome. But isn't it funny how the culture will lie to us and get us to pay attention to all of the exterior stuff about a date night and fail to recognize what's at the core. So what do we do? We go to the mall, we get an outfit, we get all dressed up, we get ourselves all put together. We're like, oh my goodness, got my hair done, got a babysitter, did all this work, did all these things, get to the restaurant, finally get to the restaurant, sit down, book the table, spend the money the whole time we're at at the table, we're not even talking to each other. We're not even paying attention. Instead, we're on our phones disconnected, but make sure we get a picture, make sure we post it, make sure we let everybody know we're happy. Yo, you might photograph well, but that will not endure well. That will not battle well. You gotta go deeper. You gotta make sure that you're paying attention to the deep stuff, to the right stuff, and to the body of Christ, to the marriages out there that are struggling. Please understand that you can endure if you'll go deeper. There's more to you than what just meets the eye. Your beauty runs way deeper than simply your eyes or your face. But I'm telling you what, your personality is attractive. A good attitude, that's a turn on in 2020, man. Somebody who's happy, wow. You're happy when everybody else is sad. We, we, Peter's trying to say, yo, don't buy into the lies of this culture. So I want our church not to be so legalistic and not get fixated on the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the truth. And the spirit of the truth that Peter's trying to say is like, he's saying like, you gotta go, you gotta go deeper here. There's more to the story than what just meets the eye. Don't, don't get lost in what culture tells you is beautiful, but understand that the attraction level in a marriage that will endure, it actually goes to the soul level. Yeah, that obsession with self only leads to more dissatisfaction. Yeah. There are people that are afraid to be a part of community because every time they try to go to that birthday party, every time they try to go serve at church, they end up staring in the mirror at home, self-loathing, picking themselves apart, pointing out everything that is wrong with them. And friends, that is such an attack of the enemy. And it's such a lie from the enemy because truly he missed out on community and being in the presence of Almighty God because he became self-focused. And so he wants us to fall for the same lie. But we so find good. freedom and we find healing when we realize it's about the inner work. I wanna do the inner work. I wanna open up every area of my heart to be renovated by God. And I wanna go the distance in my relationships Great. because my heart is open. I think the greatest evaluation question that we could ask right now is based on my investment of time today, am I putting my hope in the temporary mm. or the eternal? I think it's something for us to think about, something for us to answer. But we still have a fifth key, and I'm really excited about it because the fifth key today is disrespect is destructive. Disrespect is destructive. Let me read the text for you. It says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You know, when I look at this, first of all, it's speaking very clearly to us to consider one another, to respect one another, that we are both heirs of the grace of God. And when you look at that word weaker, 
You know, people can interpret it different ways. Let me tell you what the text actually means. Doesn't mean that weaker women are weaker with their ability to think. Doesn't mean that women are weaker in their willpower. It's just speaking superficially to the generalization that men are created with strength, physical strength, more than a woman. But we have an equality as heirs of the kingdom of God. And this is a warning to us that we should treat each other with respect and honor so that it doesn't hinder our prayers. Let me tell you how important it is to God the way that you treat others. The way you treat others dictates the way that God is able to communicate with you. It's a warning, Peter's saying, it matters the way you treat your wife. It matters the way that you treat your husband. Don't allow disrespect, dishonor to creep into your marriage because as it creeps into your marriage and as you start to accept it day to day in your relationship, it's actually putting division between you and your creator. It's actually putting up a wall and hindering your prayers. That's not what either one of us want in our marriage. Disrespect is destructive. Disrespect is sneaky. Disrespect is a chameleon. It, it hides itself in different ways in our relationship. We can, we can pick up a humor that we say is funny, but it's actually disrespectful. We can make side statements that we just kind of sweep under the rug, but it still comes out of our mouth. And it wasn't said forcefully and it wasn't said loudly, but it's still disrespectful. Uh, we can do things not by commission, but omission. That it wasn't what we did, it's what we didn't do. That we weren't mindful of the person that we live with. That we didn't think of them. We weren't considerate. That as we were honoring ourselves, we weren't honoring them. And friends, God's called us to respect one another. At Vu Church, we say it this way, honor is our calling. That honor is tied inextricably to our mission to reach the world and it starts in our home. And friends, when it comes to my role as a wife, like those jokes that I could make about my husband at the dinner table, well, what am I teaching my sons about honoring their father? Do I make fun of him? Do I tear him down? Do I think that it's funny or that it's no big deal? But really what I'm doing is I'm destroying the culture of our home. It matters the words that come out of our mouth. And what Peter says here, which is so fundamental that I think we miss, is that essentially the way that I treat my spouse is how I'm treating God. Because ultimately we are created in the image of God and a marriage in so many ways is one of the most beautiful ways that we reflect the image of God. All the way back in Genesis, let us create uh, them in our image. Let us create man in our image. The us is the Trinity, male, female, the different roles of God. And really what Peter says, what just sticks with me is that, so nothing will hinder your prayers. What if I told you today that when you disrespect your partner, you're destroying your prayer life? It's just, they go hand in hand, that this thing here is so powerful and so holy to God that if I can't get it right here on earth with this person in my home, how am I gonna get it right with my relationship with God? God gives us one another to make us holy, to sharpen us, to whittle away at our flesh that we might be made more into his image. And I just wanna tell you today, every one of you, especially those of you that are single right now, you can't force someone to respect you but you can refuse to be disrespected. 
And if someone doesn't respect you before marriage, they're not gonna respect you when you do get married. And the reality of it is that if you don't have self-worth, you're not gonna have much value to give somebody else. You gotta understand who you are, that God has created you different and he's created you valuable. And then when you get self-worth, now you can add value to somebody else's life. This is how it works over and over and over again. And I just wanna speak to all the men because that's really where Peter's leaning in right now. And I know it's a different kind of Sunday, but I actually believe that the quality of our church will rest on the quality of the homes and quality of families. A man who can't respect a woman or a man who disrespects a woman is a man who doesn't deserve a woman. It's, it's interesting because what will happen is the enemy will take your weakness and he'll exploit it. So some of you fellas, we know that communication just generally is not always our greatest gift. So how do you disrespect your wife? You ignore her, you silence her opinion, you silence her voice. When she speaks up, you cut your eyes. You don't allow her to be heard. You don't value her opinion. Are you always choosing your desire over her desires? Are you always choosing your wants over her wants? Are her dreams just as important as your dreams? This is what it means to respect. This is what it means to go, wow, we're joint heirs that we're gonna receive together, that together we have been joined. But ladies, Absolutely, it is up to a man. A man is meant to respect you. I just wonder, are you giving him something worth respecting? Because ladies, it just goes hand in hand. I wonder today, it's funny because the enemy will take your gift to gab, right? We know that in the very beginning that Eve, she had the gift to communicate and she used that in a negative way to twist and to manipulate the truth. And it's how sin entered the equation. The enemy took her gift and it created a weakness. Many times our strength will become our weakness. I just wonder, ladies, I wonder, do you, do you cut down your husband? Do you belittle him? Do you compare him to other husbands? Let me tell you, that doesn't encourage any man. <laughs> That's not gonna make him any better. Let me tell you, if you were just more like, you know, you know Sarah's husband, he, she, he, he does. Don't compare your husband. You didn't marry the other guy, you married that man. Is he the reason for all your problems? Are you blaming all your problems on because of that man? He's never gonna get better. He's never gonna grow. He's never gonna rise into his potential. You've gotta respect him. We live in a world right now that says, if you disagree with someone, you can disrespect them. Marriage and relationships are full of disagreement. But just because we dis disagree doesn't mean for one second that we can allow ourselves to disrespect each other. Because when I start disrespecting my wife, my marriage begins to be destroyed and vice versa. And our culture right now, it's scary out there. It's scary out there. I can hardly watch any level of television with my two-year-old because even these G-rated and these Disney, so much disrespect. It's just, it's just natural dishonor, just natural to cut each other down. I'm gonna be honest. Don't at me. I would not let my sons, if they were under the age of 16, watch the last presidential debate. I'm not trying to dishonor our presidents. I just don't know what that is. At the greatest two voices and faces of leadership in our nation, just the amount of disrespect, the amount of dishonor through disagreement, it's just, it's rampant in our culture and the church must push back. The church must say, no, we're drawing the line here. It's not coming into our home. Even though we disagree, we will not disrespect one another. We will endure. 
We're going to endure. We're going to endure. It's really simple. Evaluation question number one. Based on how you treated your husband today, what did you teach your son to look for in a wife? Evaluation question number two. Based on how you treated your wife today, what did you teach your daughter to look for in a husband? This is five keys to relationship endurance. Your marriage has to have a mission. Oh, it's gotta have a mission. You gotta live for something more than just you. You gotta live for something more than just your happiness. It's gotta be about your holiness. It's gotta be a ministry. Come on, world that's broken. You're looking for a model. You're looking for an example. We're not perfect, but we have a perfect savior. We're building our marriage on Jesus. I feel like saying that Jesus works. Like Jesus works. I'm telling you, Jesus works. Give him a try. Trust the truth. Jesus works. Your marriage, it's got to have a mission. You got to know your roles. You got to play to your strengths over and over again. What you do, man, it speaks louder than what you say. You got to pay attention to the inside. What's going on here? Because that's the thing that's really attractive. I'm telling you today, friends, you've got to remember that disrespect is destructive. This is how we will endure. Today, we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship God together. But I wanna let you know today that it's the Father that we're singing about, the Father in heaven, that as we worship Him, as we run to Him today, as we're running to the Father, that Father, He's leading us, He's guiding us, He's directing us, He has plans for our life. And today he wants to lead you and he wants to guide you. He has truth for your life. He has truth for your home. He's not mad at you. He patiently waits for you to come home. And the scripture in Luke 15 says that the father, he, he runs towards us. He, when we just turn towards him, he's running towards us. I don't know what you need today in your home. I don't know what you need today in your life, but I know this, if you'll turn to the father, a good father, a perfect father, a strong father, a father who loves you, a father who accepts you, a father who approves over you. If you'll just turn towards him today, he is running towards you. He has good plans for you. He loves you. Come on church. Would you lift your hands? Come on, would you lift your Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.